After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. His experience in the construction and development industry stems all the way back to his childhood. And this exposure, he has developed a keen sense of architectural beauty inspired by Hawaii's cultural diversity and physical beauty. Today, he is one of the most dynamic real estate developers in the islands. Beyond that, he is an active community leader and volunteer. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, President of Stanford Car Development, Stanford Carr. Welcome to our show, Stanford. Hi, glad to be here. Thank you. How did you get started in the development and construction industry? Um, I really could attribute that. To, my mother was an interior designer, and so uh, as a child growing up, I'd be on job sites with her and. Um, my uncle was a flooring contractor, so I learned the trade at a at a young age. Um, I'd be on the job site from the time I was eight or nine. I think probably doing more humbug than than any good, but uh, it, it allowed me to learn a a trade at a very young age uh, that enabled me to move to Oahu right out of high school and uh, support myself through school and, and make a living from from eighteen on. Oh, so you were doing flooring when you were, and put yourself through school doing that? Correct. I did that uh, as a means of uh, making money from from high school. Um, was it your own flooring business? Yes, yes. I actually got my contractor's license in, in 1982, so I would have been 20 at the time. So your mom wanted you to be an entrepreneur and start your own business? and. Um, that just kind of came by uh, sort of necessity. It, uh, when I was, we, we, I grew up in Kula, Maui, and so I was about nine years old and uh, wanted a, a motorcycle. And, uh, and my mother said, well, she couldn't afford one, so I could understand that. So I went walking down the street and, you know, up in Kula, down the street, your nearest neighbor is probably 300 yards away and started knocking on doors to see who needed yard work done and so uh, that's how I made extra money doing yard work at, uh, at, at various homeowners up in Kula and I earned enough one summer to buy myself a, a, a motorcycle and, and that's how it all kind of got started. About the age of 11 my mother had bought some, some acreage, about eight acres next to Kula Elementary School and I was uh, uh, walking through our, our our, our land there um, hunting pheasants and, and Franklins and came across our next door neighbor who was a farmer this guy Herbert Kogan and I asked him if it would be alright if I walk on his property at times to, to shoot birds because they're a nuisance to the the lettuce and cabbage that he was growing and befriended him and <clears throat> actually uh, he uh, mentored me um, and uh, sponsored me to start a farm on our property um, which we started. It took about a year, uh, every day after school and, and Saturdays and Sundays. And in return, I'd help them on uh, his farm and other farmers. They all kind of 
call it hooky pali. They help each other uh, whenever anybody needed some help. And so um, ultimately had about three acres under cultivation, growing um, initially with zucchini and then eventually specialized in bell peppers and Chinese cabbage. And so that that was really the, I, I would say, the um, my, my first career of uh, entrepreneurism and uh, exposure to, to being a, a business person well, it was the farm. So you were running the farm at 11 years old or well, what age? It was 12, 12, 13 at that time already. Um, and you know, it, it really, it really uh, helped me with the foundation of your work ethic. Um, I remember, you know, Herbert telling me, you know, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And, you know, it's funny because as a real estate developer today, there's a lot of correlation between farming, whether it be vegetables, flowers, uh, whatever you cultivate. Uh, there are inherent risks that you have no control over, very much like real estate development. And you're producing a commodity that is subject to a supply demand factors that has a fluctuation on pricing and value. So it was a good foundation, um, and I enjoyed farming. It, 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 uh, people have the perception that farming is very hard work. It may be, but you know, when, you're, when you're that age and that's what you do, you don't think of it as hard work because that's what you get up and do every day. And you do get a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, satisfaction out of um, growing something, starting it from planting the seed to the seedlings, to actually harvesting it. It's uh, quite satisfying and uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. We're back with Stanford Carr, president of Stanford Carr Development. How did you make your transition from your flooring business to now development? I had befriended a uh, Boston group that w was involved in a hotel acquisition and renovation on Kauai, and I was actually the flooring subcontractor, and, and the principal there was quite impressed with the, the people who I knew um, amongst you know, all the neighbor islands since we did work on, on all the islands at the time. And I was very interested in real estate. I would ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, I had first met Jim Schuler back in 1984 when he first ventured back to Hawaii uh, with his development called the Villages at Waipio in Waipio and we were the um, flooring subcontractor to Hawaiian Dredging at the time and I remember uh, I remember asking who's that guy and this is Jim Schuler he's the developer and I'd say I want his job <laughs> you know but um, 
you know, leaning on to that, um, having met this Boston-based group, uh, they gave me an opportunity to work on rezoning some property on Kauai. And uh, I took on that endeavor with a former planning director, Avery Yoon, who's a practicing architect today and a friend of mine for over 20 years. Um, and just started learning how to rezone property, understanding the laws of, of land use laws and entitlements and what you can build. And um, just an in incredible hungry uh, or appetite for knowledge. Um, and so I would take seminars. I'd go to the mainland for equity financing, debt financing seminars, visit various communities there. I had uh, in the interim met an architect, Ernie Vasquez. Uh, this is back in 1988 now, that uh, invited me to Orange County. And I saw that Irvine was probably one of the most competitive housing communities in the country. And often wondered, why do we not have these design site plan concepts and, and visual amenities of mini parks, pedestrian bikeways, um, and a diversity of housing opportunities suited to different income brackets and lifestyles. And um, took those concepts, bringing it back to Hawaii to create uh, and, and modifying it to our, our lifestyle and, and our environment um, to produce housing here, something that uh, we should have. I mean, why didn't we have it? And, and that was, it's, it's been an inspiration. We love what we do. Can you tell us about some of the hard times that you had to go through in order to get to where you're at today? Yes, um, and I think those hard times has, has been, looking back, I'm glad I, I stared adversity in the face. And it was through those journeys of difficulties that have made myself a stronger, uh, more tenacious person but also wiser. Um, from the beginning of, well, it goes back to the bus of the, the, the Japan economy in 1990 and the subsequent desert storm in 91, our, our economy um, continued to, started to, to deteriorate. And, and people didn't realize this by 92 or 93, there were just subtle uh, deficiencies or, or, or decreases or er erosion, I would say, of our of our economic indexes, job losses, layoffs, um, and soon in the, by the mid-90s, people couldn't hang on, and there was an actual out-migration, people moving out of Hawaii. Um, so people weren't buying homes, and we went from selling and building as much as 20 homes a month in, in the early 90s, such as 93, to by the time 1995 came along, um, we were fortunate to sell one house a week. I mean, it was like if you sold a house over during a week, it was bust out the champagne, but we could only afford the uh, Coors Light, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, what, what it taught us during those period of times is that you can't have your eggs in one basket because at the same time in 95, we saw the mainland economy, um, they started seeing their recovery. They bottomed out in 1995. I'm speaking particularly of the California market, Irvine, which you know, we, I would go year to year to see what they were, else they were doing. Um, and so I saw that their economy was getting better and started really studying um, our resort market. As a result of their economic uh, recovery, 
people started slowly, subtly coming to Hawaii to buy second homes. And so that gave us or, or led us to, to um, study the resort market. And we entered the resort market, got a little taste of it in 1995, um, but felt that the market wasn't quite ready yet. Worked with a, a Japan resort company there, Shinwa and Wailea Resort. Um, and so they gave us an opportunity to buy a parcel um, around 1996, uh, but in order to manage our risk, they allowed us to buy it only after we've gotten our discretionary approvals, which is our SMA permit, which you need to obtain from the Planning Commission, that we completed the drawings and uh, put it out to bid so that we know what our guaranteed maximum contract price was going to be. Um, and only then um, did we have to actually pay for the property and based on pre-sales we, we broke ground and it was a very successful project in Wailea. It was the first project built uh, in Wailea in about seven years um, and that uh, is one of the exemplifications of diversifying your portfolio um, and your development uh, uh, opportunities um, and, and that led to look at um, buying income properties, uh, commercial, light industrial. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Stanford Carr, president of Stanford Carr Development. How many employees did you have in the flooring company? Well, it would fluctuate depending on the backlog of work, but we got to as much as 40 people. Yeah. So you were a college student with 40 employees? Yes. It was, um, that was challenging, you know. It's, it's really difficult when you have employees that could be old enough to your father, uh, to be your father, and, and um, having to give them direction and, and, um, and, and leadership. But, you know, those are just skill sets that you learn by, out of survival and necessity that you, you don't realize... And that's why I tell people today that you've got to go through the journeys. Yeah, you know, they can teach you all of the textbook theories um, of what's supposed to happen or what you should do. But those are just case studies of, its, of a certain time and a certain snapshot of a particular circumstance. You really need to, you know, my, my suggestion in, in, in trying to inspire people is go out and be passionate about what you do. Unless you take those chances um, and venture off, um, you, you'll never know. Um, as you go through the course of your journey, whatever endeavor you, um, you pursue, you'll, you'll learn so much along the way. Um, you make mistakes and it's, you learn from it. If you make it twice, 
and they say you're stupid, right? <laughs> but you're allowed at least one mistake. But you learn from it, and and you build upon that base, and you'll grow from it, and um, you learn a lot more than you sometimes subliminally know. You know, um, it, it's all out there. Go out and go do it. Was age ever a factor for you, being that you started so young in business? Yes, yes. When I was much younger, I wore a mustache so I'd look older. <laughs> <laughs> At 11, you had a mustache? No, no, no. I'm talking when I was 18, 19, okay. you know, in my early 20s. I had a mustache just so that I'd look a little older. And it's always been a factor, even... Um, as far back as 15 years ago in the development business, people would look at me and, you know, the kid's got no gray hairs or no wrinkles. I mean, he's a kid yet, you know. I, and I've always been referred to as the kid. So when it didn't bother me because I was a kid, you know, in that respect. To me, I wasn't a kid, but in everybody else's eyes, I was a kid. Um, looking back, I was young. Um, but, I, but at the same time, you know, there's no prejudices with, with age. You know, it's ability. And you have a lot, when you're younger, you gotta work twice as hard uh, to prove yourself uh, because of your, your youth. Um, people will sometimes not give you that benefit. Um, so you gotta work twice as hard. And I did. Uh, it's unfortunate that people won't you know, let you sometimes, uh, let me see what he can do first, rather than somewhat being, I don't know, prejudice is the right word, but because of youth, they they don't have as much confidence at times. But, uh, you know, in, in our mentoring younger people, um, we've hired younger guys to, you know, give them the, the opportunity and the skill sets and the exposure because, that's how you're going to learn. You've got to go through the journey. You've got to go through it. I mean, I remember one of my guys, uh, one of our people who wanted to learn the business. And he, although did not want to do financial performance, budgets and cash flows, you know, schedules of financing models, he felt that, that the finance guys, the, the accountants should do that. And I said, you know, this is Jay. I said, you, you will not be able to make intelligent decisions at any time if you don't understand how, what the economic, how that decision you make will have an economic impact on the schedule or the budget um, or the performer, the projected uh, business plan. And so you need to go through the journey to understand because as you build it and how you work with it, so basically your financial business plan model, you'll understand that certain events causes a, a critical path to get upset or to disrupt the schedule that one thing needs to happen before something else can happen and there's an economic impact to that. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Neptune Nights. Feeling fine, we 
staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptune ice, the sunshine in your mouth. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. We're back with Stanford Carr, president of Stanford Carr Development. How or when did you um, decide that, you know, giving back to the community was also something you were going to do in your free time that you had while you weren't focused on your business? Well, it, it wasn't until I had more free time. I mean, we, we gave back to the community, you know, in whichever way you could for many years. I mean, it, it, my, my time started as far as getting involved and sitting on boards, um, oh, maybe started... Um, about 10 years ago, um, when we were in the middle of the recession, there wasn't a whole lot to build. So why not? You know, it was easy to criticize how bad things were and why they were in Hawaii. I felt, well, it's easy to criticize. Why not get involved to try to make a difference and do something about it? So I got involved with the University of Hawaii's Foundation President's Club Committee and eventually became a trustee of the foundation. Today I'm serving my second term. Uh, as a trustee on the foundation, but also got involved with the Oahu Economic Development Board, which it's uh, it's the predecessor of Enterprise Honolulu today, on uh, working on economic development. Um, I just feel that you know everyone should, one way or another, be involved in community service, which, which in any organization that they have a special interest in, or or may not have an interest but believe in the mission. Um, because society, we, you know, being just the islands here in the middle of the Pacific, need to depend on one another. Uh, for myself, I've been very fortunate in business, and I feel it a responsibility to give back. Um, it, it is because society and, and the community that's made us successful, therefore we ought to give back. And I enjoy it. The gift of giving is, is a very gratifying effort. And, uh, you know, we need more people doing things. And, you know, a lot of advice I also give to, to other people is that you, when you get involved with these other nonprofit organizations, and um, you'll meet people that you would never otherwise meet in the normal course of what business you're in. And, and that's a great way to meet new people. And you never know. It's amazing and it's, it's incredibly wonderful how small the world is. And, and how many other people are involved with other community organizations that you would never expect their involvement. Um, so it, it's, it's twofold. You, you get to meet new people that you would otherwise not meet. And I'm meeting CEOs of different organizations, um, you know, Hawaii's top 250 and, and yet smaller businesses. But, but also uh, it feels good to, to give back and because we, we all need that. We're all in this together, you know. That's the, the, the aloha spirit here, huh? 
What kind of impact did you see getting involved? Because you said you first joined saying, I'm not just going to complain, I'm going to go in to help with a solution. So what kind of impact did you see from that? Well, with respect to Oahu Economic Development Board, which is now Enterprise Honolulu, at one point um, in OEDB, um, the nonprofit organization was near bankruptcy. <laughs> and it was very difficult to get the other business communities to step up and contribute money to fund this, this cause. And we were identifying at that time the economic engines of Hawaii. What were our economic engines? Military, um, healthcare, uh, education, um, agriculture, um, and of course tourism being the strongest. You know, construction is is a, a is a economic engine, but it's not a core economic engine. It responds to the, it's a supplier to the core economic engines. Right, tourism is a core, and so we identified the need to diversify our economic base. Our, our volatility of what happened in the mid-90s is our true dependency on the tourism industry as well as military and that we were really fall uh, far behind in technology. And so what was once a, a Hawaii Technology Trade Association was a, a, a part of OEDB. It got spun off and is a, a self-sustaining organization of its own today. But it was finally when, when we were attracted uh, Mike Fitzgerald, who's the CEO of uh, Enterprise Honolulu. He had originally first turned us down of coming to Hawaii, and he's been in economic development for a number of decades. And we went on a national search and, and, and approached him to come to Hawaii. He was in Florida at the time. And he came and visited and, and interviewed with a number of business people influential in the community and actually turned the job down for us because he, he didn't feel that the business community was serious about really investing in economic development. And so it took another year for us to finally convince him to please take this challenge on. And he did. And he's done a wonderful job with Enterprise Honolulu today. Um, our technology industry is growing. The sector is growing. Um, you know, we've had singles. You know, we're not hitting home runs, but you know, any is creating jobs, and that's in a positive direction. And we've seen it in all sectors of the technology business: Hawana Medical, Hoku Scientific, Nanopoint, um, and others that are out there. And we need to embrace these industries because they're clean, high-paying, educated jobs, which is what we want here. You know, the high-paying, clean industry jobs. We will always have an inherent challenge here in Hawaii because everything is imported. Everything is much more expensive here in Hawaii. The cost of living, the cost of housing, um, the education system, that we, we need those higher industry, higher-paying industries to increase the, the level of, of lifestyle. Well, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate yeah, it. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.